So everybody, welcome to episode 159 of the Art and Jacob Food America podcast. I am your host today, Mr. Jacob Dixon, and sitting right across from me is the very handsome, the very lovely Mr. Art Trail. Art, say hello to the millions. And millions. What's up, guys? Uh, just want to give a couple of shout outs specifically to CavemanCoffee.com uh, or Caveman Coffee in general. You can find their products at CavemanCoffee.com. Uh, Jacob is drinking some of this delicious cold brew tea. The hibiscus cold brew tea. It's amazing. Um, if you read the back of the label, like it's got all these like things that are supposed to be really good for. It's supposed to be good for your heart. It um, it's calming. It's paleo, which is great because I'm paleo right now. So I'm trying to trying to lose some pounds by going paleo. So I make. I think it's delicious, man. I I, I highly recommend it. I posted it on on Instagram and people were hitting me up all all day about it, asking me like where they, can they find it, like. You would just listen to the podcast. <laughs> just know you can go to cavemancoffee.com, type in America at checkout, and get 15% off. Sweet. So, with that said, everybody, we have a very special guest with us today. Um, like I was saying before we started recording, um, I've been watching this gentleman on TV since before I went through puberty. Um, one of the most exciting athletes, I would say. Um, uh, the K, uh, 2001 K1 grand prix world grand prix champion uh multiple time you know fight of the night uh, recipient uh, fighter of the night recipient uh, ladies and gentlemen put your hands together for mr mark hunt mark say hello to the millions of fans out there hey what's up guys how you doing thanks for having the show it's our hey, pleasure coming on man yeah so how are you doing first of all let me start off i know it's been a weird time and you know the world history right now are you guys staying safe your family good i know the coronavirus is kind of hit everybody worldwide right now yeah usual um 
you know, it's uh, crazy times, but also really exciting times, you know, I'm really actually, I think like a lot of you guys are happy to be alive at this time because we probably won't ever be seeing these kind of times again. <laughs> it's like we're living in the, the book of revelations, if you will. Like, I know I keep seeing like that meme on the online or whatever, but I mean, I grew up, you know, in a, you know, very Christian uh, family. And it's just like, man, like, what's next? A bunch of, like, locusts are coming out? Like, I don't know what July is going to bring us. It seems like every month there's something new. I think we started off um, the year, I think, Australia. I mean, where you're at right now, correct? Yeah. I Like, Australia was, like, burning to the ground. Like, Satan was, like, you know, throwing gasoline everywhere and shit. But, um, um, like, our That's sex, why it's exciting times. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's exciting times, man. That's why I'm happy to be alive right now. Yeah. It makes you, it makes you, makes you uh, put everything into perspective and cherish every moment. Because, you, you, I mean, you never know. You know what I'm saying? We grow, you know, kind of complicit, you know, just you know, being comfortable. And you're like, oh, nothing can happen. But it's just like, as this year has shown us, I mean, anything can and will happen. Definitely. It, you know, yeah, it definitely makes you more grateful for all the things that we have in life and mm -hmm. every, everything around us. Family members makes you put less interest in like material things so that's always a good thing in my eyes hell yeah but i just want to talk about one of the things i know mark i know you've been very vocal about the ufc your your instagram it's it's very outspoken you're yourself on 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 instagram i mean you're very outspoken about how uh how you view the um the UFC and and if anyone that might not know where you stand on it, would you like to introduce the thoughts and how you feel about the UFC? Well, my thoughts aren't uh, you know I've I've been in the company for a while, I've been out of it for like a couple of years now, but um, um, everything I've spoken and said is the truth. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, there's nothing I've said about the company that is not a, a freaking lie. <laughs> um, I'm in two lawsuits against this company, and um, you know, a lot of people are actually seeing what's uh, what I'm saying is, is true. I mean, some of the champions are leaving and talking about it. Well, you know, fair enough because they're not getting their fair dues. And why shouldn't the UFC fighters be getting paid money like Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury or Anthony Joshua? Why shouldn't they? Mm -hmm. They're the best fucking fighters in the world, the MMA fighters. So right. why shouldn't they fucking 25, 30 million, 75 million? Why not? Correct. The problem here is the percentages that are being shared by the UFC are only minimal. We know that because that's why they're arguing right now for more money. Yeah, I mean, you're 100% right. There's, there's boxers in smaller cards. Me and Jacob were talking about this earlier, how you'll go see a main main event card in, in a boxing match. And the guys underneath that, guys I've never even heard of before, are getting paid more money than... I know uh, Jorge Mascaroff was just on... I believe he tweeted it, or I don't know if it was an interview where he was uh, talking about how he also felt unfair and disrespected by the UFC. And and it's it's fair to say that. It's fair to say, to use the word disrespected, when you see how much effort and and risk risk that you put into your body yeah. you put all the training and, and you know what D despite all the fucking shit that these people will say with all their excuses like it's a new it's a new company this is a new sport blah blah, blah. The, the the mainstream people are watching this mm -hmm. all the eyes are watching the ufc fighters don't give me no fucking horseshit excuse about it's a new company this and that whatever bullshit the truth is everyone's watching everyone knows ufc and it's mainstream so why isn't the revenue getting shared that way? Why can't these fighters, these champions, they get the money? 
get um, the the seventy five million dollars or whatever it is they're supposed to get. They're the best in the world. I, I you know, despite my um, my thoughts on, on on this is one lawsuit. I'm with I'm with the antitrust lawsuit guys, and trying to get them all to all the fighters to come on board and join us is what we're trying to do because it brings in the Ali Act. Um, which brings a lot of fairness. I mean, my other lawsuit is, is a different one. It was against the steroid cheaters and against Dana and them for, for conspiring and shit. So, um, the Brock Lesnar fight. The, yep. But at the end of the day, um, I feel, especially, I mean, regardless if those fighters uh, are doing that shit, I mean, the, the pace, because I was arguing with them a long time for, for money, different money, you know, because they weren't paying what they're supposed to pay. And I'm thinking, why am I still fighting with this kind of money? And I've been fighting for so long at this point. I mean, it, you know, and, that, and that's the reason why, because they're only sharing a small percentage of the total revenue. Mm-hmm. And unlike the boxers, I think they're sharing like 40 or 50% of the revenue. That's why they can make that kind of money. And when some idiots come over there and say, oh, they will get taxed out, the, the champions will make as much as the, the smaller guys. Well, you're an idiot. Because if you're a champion, you'll make way more than what the guy's coming in with. Mm-hmm. You get what, what's, what's happened here is you get a, a fair, a fair deal. Not what you, you're not getting screwed. Mm-hmm. And then also too, um, I, I was, you know, you see like, you know, people like a Ronda Rousey and whatnot, but then when you see what actually they get paid, like somebody that actually put a whole division on the map and then you see the actual paycheck that's being out there and you hit the, the nail on the head right there. She's out in the mainstream. She's in, you know, whatever the newest fast and furious movie is. She's, you know, she's, um, going to be in uh the new remake of roadhouse or whatever if you will so she's putting eyes on the product which is you know bringing more revenue to the people on the top but if that money isn't being even distributed why should somebody you know like you know jorge masvidal you brought up that he's like if i can't be paid you know i'm paraphrasing pay what i am worth then just release me now because jorge masvidal and nate diaz brought the rock in to the ufc I mean that, that was- won't that won't happen. They're not going to release them. Their contracts are airtight. So what they're going to do is they're going to put them at the back of the bus and starve them. Mm-hmm. So they don't get no money. That's what these people do. That's what they try to do to me. That's what I do to all these fighters. And you look, I mean, look how they actually treat their fighters. Look at the ex champions, fucking Coleman, um, no money to fix his hip or whatever. Fucking Tim Sylvia, no money to fix his fucking uh, his broken arm. Well, I don't know if he's got no money, but that's a work injury. Mm-hmm. And you know, then he, he got that fucking in an armbar. He got his arm broken while he was working for that company, mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a really shit girl When you got a company that's made that's in mainstream now, making shitloads of money, and they can't even look after the five-time world champion. It's a joke. Correct. Even even John Jones, he was uh, being vocal this week about you know his situation. I mean, I mean the the fight to make if it's not Daniel Cormier, you know, is against Francis Ngannou you know have him at heavyweight but it, i mean francis nagato i mean th- that's the guy that you know pretty much is like your it was in your spot i mean he's got that knockout power similar to you so it's like if he if jones is going to put himself in a position where he has to face an, a, a murder he better be compensated for it and you know think what you will about that's, jones that's that's, that's not the, the thing is the, the the compensation they're only sharing a small revenue i mean the percentage Correct. that's the, the problem we're trying to change it to make it sure they share their proper share. If they're going to be the champion, they should get the fucking money that Deontay Water makes. And what's wrong with getting? I mean, he is the best, one of the best fighters in the world. They should get that kind of money. Yeah. And then Jones is someone that's bringing eyes to the product. So at that point, like you're saying to your point, it's just like, 
I think you actually tweeted this out or put this out on Instagram where the, like the latest uh, UFC pay-per-view, it did so many buys, you know, and then you times that by like what, $75 or $69 or whatever they're charging. You know, if you're not illegally streaming it, <laughs> you know, that means, you know, it's like X amount of millions of dollars, but then the top paid um, fighter on that card, the headliner is only getting a fraction, a very small fraction of that. And I think it amounted to like something like 9% or something ridiculous like that. So where is the, where, where's the rest of that pie going right there? We know where it's going. It's going well, to the owners. It's going to those celebrities. It's going to those guys who have just want to extend their plans and more houses. You know, they, these people, that's the problem here. People don't, we should actually put these people up who actually own this company. Mm-hmm. Now, these are the people that are celebrities. I think they're actually, isn't it like that Tony Robbins and Giselle and all the, and Serena Venus. These are people that we've put on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. The same thing. And look what they're doing now. They own this company, whether they know what's going on or not. They own this company and they're just sitting there fucking taking from these other athletes. Correct. Some of them are fucking athletes. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg is one of the, the, the people on there. As yeah, well. I believe so. You know, we put no? these guys on these pedestals. Mm-hmm. And they want to turn around and do this to the, to, you know, like, like, like they don't, they want to play dumb. Like they don't know what's going on with these fighters. I think we should be putting their names down and say, well, where the fuck should we support you fuckers? <laughs> they should open up the card. They should, they should open up the card. Like with like with those old school, like uh, celebrity, like boxing matches. They used to have so like just give stuff. them a hiding fucking give them a fucking hiding. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny that they want to use the excuse that it's a relatively new company. And although it is, that is true. Boxing's been around for forever. Mm-hmm. And that's been the blueprint of, of you know, mixed martial, mixed martial arts. It's the same blueprint. You have fighters, you have a main card, you have smaller cards underneath that. The point it's, system. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's the blueprints there. The fact that they can't follow that blueprint is the part that is kind of absurd. It's kind of where greed starts kicking in and you kind of have to, I mean, they, it's they very, don't want to follow the blueprint. They don't want to because they want to get their money. Mm-hmm. They just want to keep keeping these fighters down. And the more these fighters keep thinking it's cool to work for this kind of like all these boys and girls coming through thinking, oh, you know, about five or six years ago, it used to be cool. But the, the idea was I want to be part of the UFC. People are starting to realize they don't want to be a part of this fucking company because it's just bullshit. All the money is going to these fuckers upstairs and none of the, the fighters uh, are getting any revenue. What's the point of actually trying to fight for this? Because there's no prestige and there's no money in this bout. Mm-hmm. Why do it? And, and we then, know that there's no money in this bout and there's no prestige in it because look at the champions. Look what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Look what the fighters are saying, mate. I mean, it took like what, Connor? Like, I mean, he's like the highest paid one. And it took him like what, a year and a half even to come back. And he was even throwing that, you know, carrot out like saying, if you want me to come back, I want a piece of the a piece of the company. So like what, what you're saying, it kind of plays into that mindset where it's just like, okay, if I'm taking all the, you know, physical risk, all the long-term risk, and the only thing that these celebrities are doing is putting, you know, a financial risk in it, then make me a partner in this. So it kind of makes more sense. Like when you hear people like Connor say that, well, if I'm going to come back, I want to be part owner, you know, because it's like, Hey, I'm the one putting all the eyes on this product, therefore making more money from everybody on the top, more money then make me, a, make me a fucking partner at that point. I, I'm, not, I'm not asking for these guys to be a partner in this company. Oh, no, no, yeah. All, all, all we're asking, all I'm saying is we want a percentage of the proper percentage. Mm-hmm. If, the, if the company's uh, making, if they're only sharing fucking 20% of it, the fighters actually are the ones that people pay to watch. So why don't you give half of that to the fighters? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't want to actually own the company at all. We just want a percentage 
to be going fairly towards what it is. I mean, Connor's talking about any of the company so he can be so what he can he can screw all the other fighters as well, like the rest of these fuckers. That's true. I mean, because it only makes sense that if you, I mean, you're in the entertainment business. And if, you know, if I want to go see a movie, you know, in the 1990s, like the big movie star was like, what is Tom Cruise or a, a, a Will Smith, if you will. They're demanding, you know, 22, 23 million dollars to star in that picture, because if you put anybody else, you put me in that movie, I'm not going to generate, you know, 100 million dollars. So give me the 22 million and it'll make everybody else more money. But it'll be fair for him because people aren't tuning in to watch Dana White. People aren't, you know, tuning in, tuning in too Correct. much. I mean, he would like that. I mean, he's always in front of the camera and whatnot. He's but... a fucking fethead. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, that's what frustrates me when I hear people talk against them, saying that like, oh, you know, they're not the ones putting the financial risk in it. I think Chael Sonnen said something too, where he said that, well, are fighters willing to give back their purse if they don't draw enough? And I'm like, well, no, that's not how it works. You're putting your physical body as a risk, as collateral, if you will. You know, that lasts a lot longer than, you know, any million of dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and you, see, you see those types of things. You see, I don't know. I don't know what the health benefits are when you're in the company. I'm not, you know, I'm not in the company. So well, I don't it's know. not good. The health benefits aren't good. Look at Tim Sylvia. Fuck, <laughs> is an example. Mm-hmm. So how are they taking care of, um, you know, UFC fighters? I mean, you, you, they're you not at all. They're not, they're not at all. So everything comes out of just straight out your pocket. Then like if, you know, you have like a, you know, shattered nose, if you will, I forgot the fighter's name. I mean, he had so, like an imprint of like a fist in his, his skull. So that, that's not being not, they're not pitching in for that at all. So I think they, 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 they should, if, I mean, if, if they if they has an operation, they have to pay for that. But I'm talking about ongoing. Mm, yeah, I mean, if an injury happens at work, they're liable to look after you for that ongoing. But the thing is, these fighters aren't employees; they're subcontractors. This is the loophole these guys are getting at. That's why the when the Ali Act it changes it. This is the loophole these UFC this company uses. These guys these guys aren't employees; they're subcontractors. And that's one thing too, like that I saw when I was looking at that. They're they're subcontractors, but they're not allowed to work for anybody else. I don't think, you know, in the yeah, yes, yeah, and and the UFC owns their image. The UFC owns this and that, so they have to wear uniforms. That's yeah. an employee. Yeah, mm -hmm. and by all standards of it, and it's it goes into like the Reebok deal or what what have you. I think Misha Tate said she lost millions of dollars once the Reebok deal took effect, and I think you guys, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It'd only be like four thousand dollars for like the top guys, just for wearing like that fight outfit. It, but yeah. where, whereas you would have like if you had you know, Caveman Coffee as your sponsor, you might you know net a million dollars off of that just for wearing that you know in the octagon. So to me, like that's another thing too, like that it kind of upsets me for you guys as well. Where it's just like, okay, you take away our sponsorships, we have to wear your your uniform, and then not only that, we're not according to you, they don't give them health any kind of health benefits. But you guys are taking all the risk right there. And to me, that's not fair. And then financially, only a, it seems like only a couple of guys at the top are really taken care of. And it's always just like it's always like like a carrot on a stick where it's just like, well, you got you got you got to basically murder your opponent, you know, before, you know, we'll give you that. Like, you know, it incentivizes, you know, basically CTE. You know, you see people, you know, go out there. I really want to put anybody on the spot here, but like. 
I think I love the reason why I love like your, your, your knockouts is just like, it's just one punch and I'm walking away. Even before Herb Dean has to step in and uh, stop the fight, you know, some people, you know, they just to get that performance bonus, you know, they're still punching away just to get that performance bonus. And it's like, to me, I mean, yeah, as a, as a man, as somebody with testosterone, yeah, I want to see that or whatever, but you know, the better part of me, the conscious part of me is just like, man, that's fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Like that guy is going to have some long-term problems because of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if we talked about how uh, it looks like Dana White definitely has his favorites and he looks out for these guys. And, and even like Connor, you brought up Connor, but like, like you see his actions and you see him the way he acts sometimes. And it just, it doesn't seem like the kind of actions that like a normal person would act in, in, in day-to-day life. And it's yet Dana White is not hesitant at all to put him back out there over and over and over until like it's done until he's, he's a shell of his former self until the money isn't coming in. And we already, those, those things are already starting to show like, you know, that incident where he threw the dolly at the bus. Like that's not, that's, this is still a workplace. You know, you, this is still, you know, a work environment, even though fighting is the game that's, it's kind of, it's kind of out of balance at that point. And, and then you look at, um, you know, there's, I, I believe there's been other, other cases of um, just, is it, um jones that was pretty much arrested like back-to-back times um back to back to back to back times yeah it just seems like at this point you kind of have to do a mental evaluation of these fighters and find out what's going on and dana white's not putting putting the interest in the health of of the fighters you know priority in fact he's the first he's the first of all the sporting companies to open back up open up shop and start putting fights out again while the coronavirus is still going on, you know, every other sport has been so hesitant to, to put their athletes back out there. Dana White, let's get them out there quick, as fast as they can. So what are your thoughts on that, Mark, with um, UFC being the, four, the first, you know, major sports company out there, you know, you know, during a pandemic to, you know, have people out there, you know, you know, in, you know, fighting, you know, whatnot. And I think um, Jacare, he, he actually tested positive coronavirus. And whatnot, so, um, how, what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, to be honest, uh, with, with the, with the, them doing that, I, I just, I think they didn't give a shit anyway. They never did. Mm-hmm. They didn't uh, care about that. And they're not uh, one of the major sporting leagues. They're trying to be, but they're not. Cause look how they treat their fighters. Mm-hmm. Even though they generate all this revenue, we know they're making all the money and everything. They're not sharing it with the fighters at all. And the fighters are part of the reason why this company works. Like you said before, people don't pay to watch Dana. I mean, he's just a dickhead anyway, but you would want to pay to watch that guy fucking talk shit. No. I'd rather see him get a hiding. <laughs> I think it's, 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 a, it's just ridiculous. Like I said, it's a company that just makes money and the fighters should look at changing things by joining, um, joining the MMA uh, FA, the, the, uh, the, union, uh, the association, you know? Because mm-hmm. what we're fighting for is trying to bring the Aliak, so and they don't want to do that. They've been fighting hard in court for six years. These guys, they're not trying to bring it in. And I've just, you know, you already know why they don't want to bring this in. And that's one thing too that um, I was trying to look up as well before the podcast is that why had I mean this is we're going on three years now. I believe um, uh, a representative from Oklahoma he was trying to you know have the the, the rules for the Aliak come over into MMA. And it, it seemed like almost back in like 2017, it was almost like a sure shot deal. Like everybody, you know, on both sides of the aisle, both Kapokin and Democrat, 
were on board with it. Even, you know, Trump was said he at one point said he was willing to sign that, but it just seems like it all disappeared. Like, do you have any insight on that? Like where that's all at right now? Like why, why hasn't, why has it taken so long for it to be for the Ali act to be legislated into law for MMA? Well, that's simple. I mean, because they don't, the UFC don't want it in there because it changes the pay scale from whatever they're paying now, whatever garbage they're paying now to what, what it should be, which is 40 or 50%. And I think it's all Dana, money, of course, it's the only reason why it's like Dana and Dana and Trump, I think are friends, right? I don't know. And I don't, you know, that's, you know, whatever it is, to be honest, I, I, all I know is, is you guys have elected him as your president and this. I did it. <laughs> And that's just, uh, you know, and that's, that's the reason why we're having trouble with these lawsuits probably, you know, mm -hmm. who knows? He's, it's so corrupt these days, what's going on. Even with my, my lawsuit against uh, Brock Lesnar and and um and the Fatida brothers, you know, you know, we got home down in Las Vegas. I mean, it's all corruption these days. It's just, uh, for me, it just blows my mind how you can, I just sit and go, fuck it, this is rubbish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They want us to abide by the laws and rules and regulation, yet they, they go and break them. It's favoritism because I mean, let that been let that have been any other athlete, you know, that fight immediately gets you know taken out. But because because I believe it was for UFC 200, they had already lost Connor. You know, do do do, do you know why they didn't do anything about that? Was it because Brock? You know, they wanted him to main event, correct? Yeah, and but do do you know why they didn't do anything about that? Why is that? I think I have an idea, but I want you to say it. I want what, you what's your idea? Tell, tell me your idea. I'm pretty sure it's because they had lost uh, Connor Nate too, and then they lost Jones Cormier. So this was supposed to be like the biggest, you know, UFC event of all time, and they needed some kind of big name. And then Brock was negotiating against his WWE contract, so he was using Vince McMahon and Dana White against each other. And so he used that fight, you know, somehow to, you know, because when you look at the pay per view numbers, Brock is a draw. So they were trying to to salvage that card and get as much money out of it as possible because i think they put a lot of promotion into it i don't know how much they paid for that yellow octagon that they got or whatever <laughs> but they somehow they were trying to you know scrape that card you know together with some kind of big name so they you know got brock over from you know wwe you know just to get in there and they were willing to hide his uh, clopamine right it was like an estrogen blocker that he was on and you know, that was their way to recoup any kind of losses they might have taken, you know, from this big UFC card. Yeah, you forget they were selling the company at that stage too, right? Oh, that's right. Yes, because they were in the process of selling it over, correct? From mm, correct. Uh, from Zufa to WME, the yeah. fucking the celebrity, you know, coalition or whatever. So they had to make it, you know, as many it's pay per view juicy. buys, yeah, as juicy as possible for the pay per view buys. Yeah, that's correct. correct. I think, I think that's exactly where it was. And uh, the reason they didn't do anything about it because they made a deal with him. And if they try to punish him, mm -hmm. he would have just turned turned on them and said, "This is what really happened." Because imagine what he knows. He could just blow this these two brothers and put them in jail and Dana mm -hmm. with what he knows. Because they made a deal, knowing that he's cheating and doing this, and they allowed him to do it. They conspired against it, you know, mm -hmm. and all it is now is just a matter of getting this evidence correct from these guys. And I think that's unfortunate too for people like you. You know, you go in clean, and then you have to face somebody that's you know obviously has done something to enhance his performance. I mean, I mean, 
what it's whatever to me it's whatever like when you're when you're you know in wwe you know it's all about you know the show or whatever it's it's scripted if you will that's but when you come over into an actual like warfare that that's supposed to be regulated by you know governing bodies you know i believe you know that was in nevada correct you know there's and that that's one thing too is like nevada's in bed big time with the ufc so whatever it comes down against ufc in nevada nevada's always gonna you know play placate to you know the the boys that are making you know them money you know that mm -hmm. tourist dollar and whatnot too and i think that's unfortunate too so you, it's like a it's like a double-edged sword it's like you're fighting against your opponent who you know is on performance enhancers and then legally like the government that's supposed to protect you they're in bed with the devils that are fucking you as well so yeah but that's that's not what led to the lawsuit what led to the lawsuit was the chain of actions before that, you know, all the, the number of fighters and then them trying to give me fighters who are cheating. And I said, no. And then, then they forced me to fight that last dickhead cheater, Alistair Everham. That's the reason why I dropped the lawsuit. I was sick of doing this. So mm -hmm. why you keep doing this? You're not doing, you're not punishing these guys at all. You, you tell you've got the best testing policy and all this garbage yet. Where's all the enforcement? Correct. Do you these feel cheaters like fucking doing it? And they just, they, they're not even getting punished. And they go, you know, fuck, I'll sit up for a couple of years and get 20 more. What the fuck not? Mm -hmm. Do you so feel why like they sure say to everyone that you've got the best policies and say, you know, you're based on your policies of what are the world anti-doping policies, but you don't even enforce them. Do you think they were punishing you for being outspoken at all? Of course. They came after me when they sacked me off my cart in Sydney. They retaliated against me then by doing that. And I'm thinking, okay. Uh, but you know they took uh, you know and, and and even with that their fucking lawyer hunter campbell the little muppet he goes and takes me off the fucking fight card in sydney and i'm thinking how does a lawyer you know and then the contract says only a doctor can take you off their fucking fight card, uh, fight card how does a fucking lawyer become a doctor as well and kick me off the fucking uh the sydney card because of an interview i did and did you want you know, to get into that blows, it just blows my mind where i just sit there and goes how does this lawyer can kick me off this fight card when he's not a doctor? Aren't I supposed to see a doctor that can say that I'm allowed to fight or not? Then they try to make it some some rubbish like I've got I'm crazy or PTSD or whatever. And I did four hours of testing here. You know, I, I went to Vegas. I had to do all that stuff just to get back in the workforce. Um, and, you know, these are the same people that forced me to fight against Alistair Overeem. Mm -hmm. Who, yeah, <laughs> we all know about Overeem <laughs> right there. Uh, but if you can clarify that for the people listening, um, you did an interview where you stated something and then they took you off of the card because of those statements. Um, you want to clarify that for me? Cause to yeah, me, I mean, I, I did an interview and said, you know, you know, sometimes I, I um, <clears throat> you know, people do interviews and they people take things out of context. I say, sometimes I, I don't want to, I don't remember shit. Sometimes I, I, I don't want to, I mean, who the fuck wants to remember shit they don't want to remember? Yeah. You know, sometimes, <laughs> Uh, you do things and you're like, I'm a bit tired and I want to do it. There's, there's, you know, sometimes my, my memory's not that good. Well, maybe sometimes I don't want to fucking remember it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fuck, that's just being normal. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and then I said about something about DSP saying he saw aliens and I'm thinking, yeah, well, I was going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's, now the way I said to him, he's seeing fucking aliens, but now I believe him because there is fucking aliens going on. The government's <laughs> hiding their shit too. They, they, you know, it's funny that they bring their shit up now. They talk about seeing aliens and all those shit, and people don't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, fuck. So GSP is right. He, he is fucking seeing aliens because you know what? He probably did. 
I think Rashad Evans too, like out in New Mexico, they were talking about that too. They saw like, a, like the whole training camp, they saw like some lights in the sky and shit, which is, which is all together. That's a whole other episode in itself where it's just like that whole uh, area from like um, Skinwalker Ranch in Utah through area 51 in Nevada to New Mexico. It was like crazy UFOs out there and whatnot. But yeah, I did. I did re actually read the transcript of that interview and I'm like, how are they taking what Mark said? And twisting it out of context and i was like oh okay i have a feeling they're trying to fuck him right here because he's well, being outspoken joe rogan did that interview so I, I looked it up today right i saw that joe rogan had the interview and he made it sound like that so i hadn't even read the transcript i had i just based it off what joe rogan had said about that interview oh, really? and so in the joe rogan interview he's essentially saying he's he i think he has i think it's brendan shaw that he's talking about it and um and um they're having this discussion and it's like yeah, Mark Hunt said he doesn't even remember shit now, and it's like that's that, that's what I based it off. I based it off that interview and or what what Joe Rogan had said on his podcast, but I didn't I even know that because I mean, fuck, who wants to remember that shit? Sometimes I mean, fuck, it's just man, if something bad happened to me back in my past, I'm like, I'm not gonna want to remember that shit. Who wants to remember bad shit that happens to you? Yeah, and that's the thing too, man. If they want, if they want it, they'll use your words against you and shit. Definitely, <laughs> that's what they did. So yeah. That's the thing about those tricky lawyers, man. Like every little slip up, every little thing, they'll try to get you like that. Yeah. Yeah, but how how did this lawyer pull me off the fight card and send me there? How? And how did they justify that with that whole thing with that interview you did? That's how they justified you getting off the card. It's retaliation, is what it was. They just getting back to me for dropping the lawsuit. They're the ones that that forced me to fight against these cheaters. And then when I said nothing, they'll say they're gonna they're gonna sack me and unemploy me and take away my livelihood because I'm not listening. I'm like, this guy's cheating. I just wanted a clause in the contract saying if he's caught cheating, take off his funds. I don't want it. Just take it off him. I want him to make not a cent. But they mm -hmm. wouldn't do it. Which is fair. Yeah, that's a fair. That's a hundred percent fair. Courts is fair. They take up what thirty percent if you don't make weight. What the guy's fucking sticking? She's cheating. Fucking, mm -hmm. like he, he could kill me, and then what happens? Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to pay for my bills after that shit? It's not my bills. It's my fucking family's bills. Exactly. That's what I'm worried about. Correct. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it It's completely unfair. And the fact that you fought multiple people that have been caught cheating. You, Bigfoot was also caught cheating. Uh, it's just so many guys that you fought. And it's just the fact that the UFC, Dana White, doesn't really come out and address this as an issue. You said it that they claim to have the best uh testing facilities and testing uh policies, available. Yeah. But and why it's... does all the policies tests come out after the fights? We all know why. We yeah. all know why. They say, Oh, we got it after the test, so you've made your money and now you're fucking gonna screw the guy. Good on right. you. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. We're not unfair. dumb. We're not blind too. It's Vegas though. I mean that's that's the whole nature of Las Vegas. That's not an excuse though. That's not yeah. an excuse. Oh, no, it's, it's not, not an excuse to say. This is not an excuse to say. Just like when people say it's just business. No, yeah, no, I'm not justifying at all. Well, I mean, it's like when they say when people say to me after they rip me off, they say oh, this is just business. Well, how about I fucking stick a rusty, rusty fork in your eye and kill you? <laughs> be yeah. yeah, you just rip my family off and kids off, and you can't justify that. Yeah, anytime you're putting your life on the line, and you're putting your life on the line every time you go out there. Not just in the actual fight, but I'm sure every time you're training, your your body is is taking a toll, and you're and you're putting everything on the line. 
for for this and the least they can do is at least give you that respect of it, actually testing the people you're going up against and making sure that it's, it's not the least they can do they they we deserve this i mean why would i mean there's no point in being the ufc champion these days there's no point these days there's no money in it there's no prestige all you get is just issues and problems fighting fighting for more why why did you do you have to go and work for a company that you have to fight with all the time Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To me, it seems like uh, nowadays, you know, you got Henry Cejudo, who's you know retired now, whatnot. Everything kind of just seems like a stepping stone to like a different um, career after this. It's just like, hey, this is how you're going to get your you know followers on social media up. I mean, to, a perfect example of this would kind of be they'll, like they'll use that as an excuse. Though. That's the problem. They'll use that as an excuse just to make an excuse and say, well, we don't have to pay you because this is what we're actually doing for, doing it for. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. That's rubbish. <laughs> Another excuse. They, they, these UFC got all these excuses that they use to try and make people, um, you know, like this is a new company. It's not as old as the other ones, blah, blah, blah. All this other garbage. This is another platform you can use to push your fucking go and look for another job. Why the fuck would I want to go look for another job when I'm working for, supposed to be working for one of the highest paid companies and the biggest companies on the planet? Mm-hmm. I'm, a fucking, right. I'm a fucking UFC fighter, but the, the label they got now is, why would anyone want to want to work for these guys? Correct. Um, what I was leading to with that is, you know, it seems like for a lot of these guys, Henry Cejudo, I mean, he already beat, you know, everybody in his division. And at his peak, you know, it seems like he's retiring. I don't know if it's, you know, a, you know, you know, a leverage play, you know, to get, you know, more money or whatever. But if it is good for him. But a lot of guys are using now the UFC, you know, as a stepping stone you know, to other avenues. Uh, we mentioned Brendan Schaub earlier. I mean, now he does stand-up comedy. He has like 7,000 podcasts and, you know, drives around in a, the, the fastest, you know, Porsche on the earth or whatever. But he's made more money outside of the UFC. You know, good for him. Um, with that said, uh, what other ventures are you do you have right now, um, now that you have stopped fighting in the UFC? I've got uh, a few ventures going now, gyms and uh, recovery centers and things like this. Um, but that's not the point that I'm, I'm talking about. I mean, the, I mean, the, that's not the, the issue here is this company is just trying to screw everyone and make everyone blind with their lies. Just like when people say, oh, you can use this to do other things. Fuck. If I become a fucking world champion heavyweight boxer, I don't have to fucking look for other ventures. Do anything, yeah. Yeah. You Mike know? Tyson isn't known for anything outside the ring. Mike Tyson's Mike Tyson because he's the champion. It- exactly. Yeah, the fact that they're trying to spin it that way, it reminds me, you're, Jacob here, he's a Dallas Cowboys fan, and I remember not too long ago they were talking about the quarterback, Dak Prescott. They were like, well, you're the, you're the quarterback for the Cowboys. We don't have to pay you that high. You can get so many sponsorships because of this. You're, the, you're one of the biggest well, teams. Well, hey, guess what? You can't get sponsorships from them anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. guess what? If you get a sponsor, they have to pay the UFC $100,000 first before they can pay you. Wow. Jeez, I didn't know that. That's... <laughs> That's some oh, bullshit. Hey, now you know. You've wow. learned something from me today. So, you know, and, and no small companies can afford to pay that. You know? No. And who would want to at that point? I mean, you're double. Exactly. Paying. Yeah. You're sponsoring, you know, the UFC and, you know, the fighter. You know, when you just want to sponsor, you know, just the fighter maybe, you know? Yeah, that's some bullshit. I had no idea about that. That's pushes well, away. Know. Yeah. That pushes away so many sponsorships at that point. And guess why they're doing it? We all know why they're doing. They they've got everything locked down tight. These guys. Um, 
Are you, are you still training? Are you still, are you still, uh, you're, you're still, I assume you're still playing on fighting some more. Yeah, I've got, I want to fight six more times in my career. I was really unhappy as I got pushed out of the UFC. Mm-hmm. Fucking scumbags. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> I signed for a boxing fight and uh, looking forward to doing that. And, um, I want to end up back in Japan, finish my career. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I said, I was a bit, a bit so with how, uh, the treatment I got from this company. That's why I'm in two lawsuits against them. Right. Yeah. Now I was looking, you, you mentioned Japan and uh, when I was looking over, you know, your page, um, it looked like you did some professional wrestling in Japan. Yeah, I did one uh, about, uh, it was a funny gig, but uh, it was, uh, it was quite <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah. I was like, a, I was like a bad influence in, in the character. Aki Bone is a sumo wrestler and the character was, he, I came in and I, I convinced him about drinking and smoking and being bad and <laughs> you know how big he is. Yeah. And me and my fucking Hawaiian shirt walking in and you know making him gamble and shit. <laughs> That's awesome. Fun. I mean, I, I see the joy that you uh, in your eyes when you said that. So, have you ever thought about you know you know step you know not you know full time like you know Rousey or even Lesnar if you will um have you ever thought about or have you had any offers you know to do it with any company you know not necessarily WWE but any other you know other promotions such as the ones in Japan if you will well i i, I haven't i just uh, like i said I've, I've, i'm a bit busy with all this other stuff going on mm. trying to launch these businesses before the the, the the covid hit um you know and and trying to sort out these lawsuits with this company and that's it so I mean, one thing at a time, I'd say. Cool. It'd be a lot easier. Cool. Instead of yeah. trying to deal with fucking all sorts of shit at one time, I'm not a multitasking person. You know, I can't deal with everything at one time. I can only deal. I can only do one thing good. <laughs> <laughs> I can fight like a motherfucker, but I can't fight and look after other shit. <laughs> I think you have like the greatest story of all time of how you got into MMA. Um, and I don't well, want to like we're making a movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what I was about to say. Cause I was about to say like the way I've heard people retell, like the story you got into MMA and I'll let you retell it, but it kind of, I, in my mind, I see you Patrick Swayze yeah. with like the blonde, like flowing, like mane, if you will, but I'll let you get, I'll let you tell it. But if anybody's ever seen the movie roadhouse, I just picture Mark hunt in the movie roadhouse. And this is how he got into MMA. Uh, yes, uh, there's actually a book out called Born to Fight. Maybe they can just purchase that and uh, enjoy yeah. that. Yeah, there <laughs> I've you got go. a documentary I'm trying to release uh, at the moment, but uh, there's a lot of UFC footage in there. You know, they dislike me or they hate me, and they're not going to let me release that. So, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> but uh, we're getting through it, boys. We're getting there. You know, we just one thing at a time. Get to win this uh, this antitrust lawsuit, win the other lawsuit, and go from there. So you know, that's how it works. Sweet. Hopefully well, things get opened a bit more. Hey guys, I'm gonna have to terminate this call. I've got to go try and find something to eat. Yeah, for sure, Mark. Uh, so we just want to thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you for all your time, and thank you for like you know being 100% real and 100% honest about everything. It, it's really enlightened us in in the world of the UFC. No worries. We can uh, continue some other time, but thanks for the time, guys. Keep spreading the word and trying to make things a bit more um, happier for these fighters that are actually can't say anything. Sweet. Yeah, for sure. See you later. See you guys. All right. Have have a good one. Sweet. Mark Hunt, ladies and gentlemen. I can't believe it. When Art texted me and said, Hey, do you want to record two (laughs) podcasts this week? And I was like, 
I don't know what conspiracy theory you're trying to give me today. Like, I, I don't know. I didn't know what he was going to, he was going to throw at me. Then he said, Mark Hunt. And I was like, oh, this motherfucker is joking with me. There's <laughs> no way we got Mark. Hunt. I mean, yeah, we've had, you know, you know, uh, popular, uh, you know, musicians on here and whatnot. And I mean, that, that's cool. But like, I've never thought, you know, Art, you, you said this earlier uh, today, you said three years ago, I never would have thought it would have been possible. We saw Mark Hunt fight ufc 200 you and i were in the living room where we started this podcast watching him fight brock lesnar we watched that fight yeah man i've seen mark i've been watching mark hunt since he's been in kickboxing in pride i've been i've known of this man for years i never in a million years thought that i would be having a, a platform where i'd be discussing something that he obviously is very passionate about and you know again i thank mark hunt for coming on here i apologize to anybody if i sound like an idiot but I was a little bit starstruck. My girlfriend always makes fun of me every time we, you know, go to LA and I run into, you know, somebody or we go to the Polly Sure. Yeah, I Jacob yeah. Polly Sure. Yeah. Uh, can you do the can weasel? weasel? Oh, my impression. The weasel? Yeah. So if I, I apologize if I, if I sound as starstruck, but it's just <laughs> it's crazy. I I never thought this would be happening. But. It's it's exciting, man. There's it's he was such a great guy. I, it sounded like he has been up. It's ten thirty a.m. when we start recording. In Sydney, Australia, where he's at, we're in California. Correct. And um, you know, it sounds like he's been up for hours training or something because he, uh, the initial thing, I think he noon our time. What would that make that like maybe like six a.m. his time or something? Correct. I don't know. I guess he's been up six a.m. is not that intense, but still, he's been up for a while. And the fact that he made time for us is uh, it's all star. Great oh, job. Thank awesome. you so much, Mark. By the way, I didn't want to. I didn't, you said you were like, oh, I can't believe we got Mark Hunt. You know, uh, there was one other guy that I still think could be coming on soon. I think I think he's right up your alley. I hope so, sir. <laughs> I mean, now you got you got my, you got my pants off for this right now. So, um, thank you, Art, for getting Mark on. Um, but he does bring up some some great points, and um, it kind of reminds me. You know, I always circle back to our time at Target. You know, I met my first job was McDonald's, but that was like super whatever. Like, I, I mean, any problems I ever had with McDonald's is like whatever, but it's McDonald's, right? But Target, you know, this is supposed to be, you know, this big, you know, liberal corporation that's supposed to, you know, believe in, you know, equal opportunity and whatnot. And I always think about that, like, huh, like we, we discussed this on, you know, numerous car rides to and from work, where it's just like, it just doesn't seem like they care about us, you know, and anytime we raise like an issue, you know, they would always just um, kind of, you know, put a bandaid on that issue with like, well, here's a ice cream party that, you know, we requisitioned some ice cream. Now shut up and stop complaining. And it's just like, yo, like you need to help me fill out this form, you know, for my health benefits, you know, or I'm going to have to pay a penalty or whatnot. And like, I would see that all the time, or they would be asked to like some of the um, security guards, they would be asked to have to deal with like, you know, a crazy person with like a knife or a gun or whatnot. I'm like, yo, that security guard is only getting like minimum wage. Like, where the fuck are you at? Like, you guys are making like $200,000 a year to be the store manager just to sit in your fucking um, office and watch monkeys masturbate on YouTube and shit, which is like a real story. Like, I'm not just saying that to say that. Like, our fucking, our, uh, uh, the general manager of Target, like, that's literally what he would do. And then he would like force people to go out there and like handle like these crazy ass people. And it kind of reminded me like uh, to a different extent, like Mark, like, having a fight you know people like alistair overeem you know his nickname is uberine for a reason you know he was just the most juice person of all time he had to fight alistair overeem twice he had to fight brock lesnar who was 
coming off of something, you know, because no one just takes like an estrogen blocker just to take it. So it's just like, he has to take that. He has to take all those punches. He has to take all that fucking uh, the potential, like permanent damage or whatever. And for what? And it's just like, it, it's, it's a great point about, you know, labor issues, not only in this country, but in the world. Absolutely. You know, um, you brought up Donald Trump during the interview and Dana White and Donald Trump are pretty close buds. Mm -hmm. And Donald Trump, you know, he only really has one sports team in his background. And that's when he was in uh, the owner of like some. Oh, uh, like the New York Generals or whatever. Yeah. Like USFL. Yeah. USFL. And he ran that league into the ground because the players were so like treated like shit, essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. And although I think Dana White, uh, we talked about this, I think he's a great, great promoter. Absolutely great promoter. He sells the fight. He sells the athlete. But at what cost? And I think it's starting to show. Some of the cracks are starting to show. And I think the, the major one, you're a huge Conor McGregor fan, but I do think that when he used that footage of Conor McGregor's like outbursts of throwing the dolly and all these things, it starts to show that he doesn't value the athlete for for the human he values them for the that the um the show that they could put on it's it's not so much this could be whatever character you know you see so many guys now in the ufc and then this has become a phenomenon i think conor mcgrader made it into a joke where like everybody wants to be the slick haired guy with a bunch of tats and like they want to copy that because it works. Ric Flair. Yeah, they want to do that. They want they want to be that because Dana White is obviously into that. He wants to have a showman as well. And but at the same time, it's like he doesn't value their health. He doesn't value it, their health. If he did, he would he would have taken more precautions and not rush athletes back out there into the into fighting with the coronavirus still very much in the United States. And you might say, hey, this is just two people going. But at the same time, they still have fight camps. In the fight camps, they're not just fucking shadow boxing. No. They have a bunch of other Ferguson. dudes in there. You know, <laughs> yeah. He, Tony Ferguson. Yeah, he but, just starts dancing for no reason. Uh, but that dude, even Tony Ferguson, I mean, he had an ACL injury, and I mean, he wanted to come back against Anthony Pettis, but he had this ACL injury, and he very well could have freaking you know re-injured it with it. It was like within months that he came back to fight on that card. And I'm thinking like to myself, like, yo, like, yeah, he won that fight and good for him. But it's just like, it reminds me kind of like the Michael Do Jordan um, documentary that, you know, oh shit, I can't think of the name. The Last Dance? The Last Dance, yes. When Michael Jordan, you know, broke his foot and, you know, the doctors were telling him like, hey, and, and mind you, the NBA, that, that is a legit, you know, fucking sports league right there. The, the doctor are telling him like, hey, like, you could have a chance if you come back too early, like you could ruin the rest of your career. And sometimes you got to put the brakes on, you know, a Porsche like that, because it's just like, he doesn't, you know, he's young. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's willing to put, you know, his body on the line. I think Jordan to that point had never had an injury before, but he's like, no, let just let me get out there. Let me, let me play a little bit more minutes. They're like, nah, we got to protect you for the future because in 1998, we need you to hit the game winning shot against the Utah jazz. But sometimes you have to have the balls. You got to have to have the balls with these Porsches and say, Hey, Tony Ferguson, maybe take a seat, you know, and get on the next car. I want to make sure you're physically okay because chill Sunday has his podcast. And he always talks about that. I brought that up during the podcast too, where he says like, where he, it's surprising because Chell is a former, former fighter. You need to fight forever. He's a decorated wrestler as well. 
and shame on me for trying to you know fucking tell a fighter how to think but he says like if you're willing you know everything that mark was saying i agree with and chell's response to that on one of his podcasts was like well if you don't draw are you willing to give some of that money back and i'm like no that's not how it works the collateral isn't the money the collateral is your health the collateral is the, the potential risk that you take when you go in there uh, michael bisping is ba was basically fighting with one eye for the last part of his career and it's just like why does why does that happen you know what i'm saying and he was a champion you know in the ufc to mark's point you know michael bisping was a champion you mean to tell me would that would that would would the nba allow carl malone or kevin durant you know one of their 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 all-time stars or whatever to go out there with you know one eye you know if it wasn't safe for him out there like no they would make sure that that got a that got fixed and that got addressed or whatever he meant like if you don't draw like if you don't draw the numbers in yeah if you, if you say that you're a main event draw and you want you know the fair share of that money and let's say dana white gives you 50 percent uh you know of whatever you know because it's not just you know the pay-per-view buys or the gate ticket buys or whatever you know the ufc is going to make a lot of money from sponsorships you know um you know, you always see like Zions or Monster Energy or whatever. So they're making money from that. They're making money from all a, a, a bunch of different uh, sources. And the fighters, rightfully, in my opinion, should be entitled to some of that, at least like what Mark was saying, with like 50% of that. And if they don't draw, are they willing to give that money back? And to me, I'm like, well, no, because the collateral isn't what was in their bank account. Or what was going to be in their bank account the bank, the collateral was the physical risk that they take and to me that that excuse of well you know what you were getting into like to me that doesn't cut it because i mean you look at you look at any other sports league you know nfl is questionable but you look at any other sports league they they make sure that the unions there the unionized players associations will make sure that they are taken care of but okay so my 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 whole issue with like the draw part of it, it takes away from the integrity of the sport itself because the sport itself isn't how popular are you? It's not a fucking popularity contest. This isn't Miss America. This is, this is mixed martial arts mm -hmm. or whatever it may be. You know, just today I was listening to a podcast about the NBA and how the NBA wants to do everything in its power. And it's probably still going to do everything in its power to it. It already got Zion Williams technically into the playoffs and it wants to do and you know, there's this whole conspiracy of that they really want a Sion Williams versus LeBron James first round series just to boost the, the ratings because that would be hot. You know, that's probably going to happen. The fact that people kind of think that and it's the way that the schedule is set up, it's set up so favorably to have that set up as a like Sion versus LeBron series. It kind of takes away from the sport itself. It, it really does. And and as opposed I, to just letting the chips lay where they may. Yeah, and and then that's where people will be like, but then that's boring. And it's like, well, like sports, although it's supposed to be entertaining, like you want the better person to win. You don't, you know, it's not that's the thing that separates the WWE, where the WWE is kind of like it's gonna give you your your winner, whoever the popular guy is, nine times out of ten, it's probably gonna be the undertaker that's gonna come <laughs> out. But in reality, that's fucking life. The reality is like you don't always fucking get to have your cake and eat it too. Like, and that takes away from it. It's like, who gives a fuck about the draws? My job is to fucking show up healthy and win a fight. That's it. 
And that's the thing about Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt's fights were not sexy fights. He showed up and he was like a knockout artist and those are beautiful. But for the most part, the guy was, you know, especially like the heavier weight guys, they're not the sexy fights. Even like DC, DC's had some of the most boring fights. I, I literally could fall asleep watching them just on top of another man for like 15 okay, minutes. Yeah. They're not, they're not fun fights, but that's not the point of it. The point is that he won those fucking fights. He's one of the best wrestlers and maybe wrestling's boring to most people. It is kind of to me, but I still respect he did his job. He showed up and like, that's, that's it. That's, that's your job. Who gives a fuck about the draws? The fact that Chael Sonnet, Chael Sonnet to me is like the uncle Tom version of, of the UFC in the sense that, you know, he was in the game and now he gets kind of a seat at the table where he still gets to be part of the UFC. And like, there was like little Bellator, commentary yeah. and all that shit. And like, it's, it, it kind of, bug, it, it bugs me so much, man. Like I used to respect Chael Sonnet cause he used to come on, uh, he was a regular at the Jim Rome show. But now he like talks so much shit out of his ass that it's like, dude, stop trying to create a headline, man. I think too, you get that in any job space too. I mean, I'm not defending him at all. Like I'm nine, 99.99% of the time, I always disagree with Chelsea on him. But um, you always have like that guy. Before we started recording, I was telling you about one of our former coworkers, and I was like, man, that dude like was saying some shit, made me want to beat his ass. Like, how dare you say some shit like that? You know where we come from, you know? And I was calling him out, like, hey, meet me, meet me. Maybe somewhere, motherfucker. Like, I bet yeah. you won't say that to my face. But it's like, you're always going to have people like that, that for whatever reason, you know, whatever their perspective is, you know, that's just how they think, you know, whether it's detrimental to, you know, their coworkers or not. And I, I just don't agree with a chill on that at all. But um, it's good to know that um, on a more happier side, you know, that, you know, there are opportunities outside of the UFC for these, these guys. That's what makes me happy is that, you know, I, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to is, you know, Brendan, like all but, seven of Brendan's shops. But podcasts. see, like that's for some. And I think that that's what Mark was talking about. Like, you're not guaranteed that. No, I like know. as much as like Brendan Schaub, like Brendan Schaub didn't have a super long career in the UFC, but he is very, like the thing, thing about him is that he's well-spoken and he's a good looking guy. Like dying piece. so what are you going to tell <laughs> Nate Diaz after he's done? Hey, that dude's fucking face looks like it's made out of a paper bag. <laughs> Like and his speech is terrible. Yeah, it's not, like listening to a fucking broken Millie Vanilli CD. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's terrible. And like, it's not like he's gonna have a successful career in stand up. He's not gonna have a successful career in podcasting. He's not gonna be a, a charismatic wrestler after this because he can't talk for shit. Mm -hmm. It's like not everyone's guaranteed that. You know, he has a CBD company. He has his gyms in in um Stockton. You know, like those guys. And he's a really popular guy. He's one of the bigger names. There's guys underneath that that you know that also aren't can't fucking put a sentence together. They're not very good looking. They're not gonna have that. It's 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 a it's a slim pickings of like the guys that are gonna have a good successful career after this. It's like, you know, Marshawn Lynch had that quote of like, you know, get your mentals right and count your chickens or whatever. Like that's exactly what it is. This is this is a sport where your your body is like all you got and it can betray you at any minute and. The company you're working for, you know, the UFC and the NFL are not that far apart because the minute that your body um, fails you, get the fuck out of here. Yep. Like, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I mean, no, I hear you on that with the whole, um, you know, not everybody's going to have, you know, the, the career that, you know, like Brendan Schaub's going to have or whatever. But I, I do think that 
what I'm trying to get at is, it's just that like, that's, you know, it's, it's there at least. It's not like I, I'll put it out there. Like with, you know, I'm a big wrestling fan. You don't see a lot of wrestlers. Yeah. You have like the rock and you have, you know, Batista now he, he's like in some big movies and whatnot, but like with wrestling, like 90% of those guys, like they live their whole life just attached to the wrestling industry. And they, you know, they keep, you just see like that slow descent of just like, okay, I'm going to go to the B promotion now. Like, I guess you can call that like AEW now, or you go to like the independents and like, it just becomes sadder and sadder. Like, you know, Jake, the snake Roberts, like he like descended, you know, farther and farther down, you know, to where it's just like, at one point, I think he was like homeless, you know, mm-hmm. like living on, some, you know, somebody's couch, if you will. And it's just like, some industries aren't like that where it's just like, Hey, I want to take that guy and, you know, make him a star or whatever. I mean, I'm not saying that every UFC person out there, like I think there's like 500 fighters under UFC contracts, but it is nice to see that, you know, coming from that, that arena, right. You know, of a, a sport that, you know, Mark was even saying they pretend to be in the big leagues with like the NBA, the NFL, yeah. the major league baseball or whatever. And then you get like, you know, something comparable, like, you know, a WWE that, you know, Hey, a lot of their athletes are transitioning out, transitioning early, you know, Henry Cejudo I, to a year ago, like, did many people know his name? No, but you know, he slowly, you know, started beating people. He beat Demetrius Johnson. He beats, you know, TJ Dillashaw on steroids and TJ Dillashaw on steroids, beat him in seconds, you know, beats him clean. Um, you know, then beats um, Dominic Cruz or whatever, pretty much just mops up the, the whole division and just says, hey, guys, I'm going to retire, you know. And there was a big um, article on SureDog that was about that, like, hey, maybe, you know, it's just a ploy, you know, to, you know, get more money, you know, if you will. But he retires the champ. Now he can transition out to, you know, other avenues. Just last week, you know, he was on AEW, you know, alongside with Mike Tyson to, you know, call out Chris Jericho, if you will. So that, you know, opens up like, oh, shit, like ESPN spots. It opens up other spots. So in this world today, it's good to see that, you know, there is that option for them. I mean, yeah, definitely. Look up Beck Rollins. She has, uh, yeah, she has her fans only account. Mm-hmm. She has every. I've been a big Beck Rollins. You've fan been for a big uh, uh, only fans. <laughs> I've been a big fan of Beck Rollins stuff for many years. I'm glad she's a fan. <laughs> <laughs> but it's free for know, the month not, of <laughs> First month is free. <laughs> like I don't know. It, it's just. You know, not everyone's a Beck Rollins, and I, I, no, I totally I sympathize. I get what you're saying, but I also sympathize with with the people that don't have that. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, it's like Mark Hunt. He's a big name. He was a headliner, and same thing with like a like a Nate Diaz. Like, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like you know, ten years from now, they're probably just going to be training little kids at their home gyms in their local towns, not being like living in like middle class, maybe upper middle class, like lives when it's like reality it's like a fighter like that like you know we should be seeing these guys maybe not like muhammad ali's but at least like brent uh like i don't know like uh i was gonna say brendan frazier but that's (laughs) (laughs) joe frazier or something you know like you know something like that they're not massive guys but you know we still recognize that name and we still respect that name I would say this too, like, and Mark was kind of hitting at it too, where he's like, why should I have to transition to other things? Yeah. You You know that, I mean, that's the warrior spirit right there. Like I, I, you know, like Mark, you know, I'm pretty sure like he just grew up fighting, you know, a lot of these fighters, you know, they grow up fighting or they grow up in sports, if you will. And, you know, that should be their career path. If you, you know, 
for as long as they want. You got. I want to see something like again the NBA. Like I'm the biggest NBA fan there is. Like I'll fucking suck their dick all day. Where you see like you always see like them place you know their former athletes into into things like whether it be you know regional you know like here in LA like every LA Laker that pretty much has ever been you know if they haven't been picked up by you know you know as an assistant coach like Mark Madsen I believe he was like an assistant coach for uh, Minnesota if you will you know but you'll always see like hey they'll put them on the regional you know networks if you will they'll, they'll they'll make sure that they find you know gainful employment afterwards if you will and that's a real thing that the nba does you know shout out to david stern yeah, for that one of the things that they do is that they give broadcasting lessons to make sure you know i don't know where like i don't know not everyone i don't know where jordan farmar is from the lakers or whatever like, he's on fox sports is he okay, or, uh, so. or uh, whatever it is spectrum sports or whatever yeah I mean, but there's only so many slots that you you oh, can know. get. You know, Kobe Carl, where's he at? Like, I don't. Those are the guys that are like He's living at George Carl's house. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> those are those are the types of guys that are. Not everybody gets one, but at the same time, it's like I do think that the NBA is is super progressive. By the way, shout out to I don't know if every NBA team did this, but I know the San Antonio Spurs did this, where they gave everyone in their organization like a, a chance to basically speak on like black rights and the Black Lives Matter movement. On the flip side, I'm always disappointed in everything the NFL does. I feel like the NFL does like this most the most bullshit like PC friendly where it's like, can't we all just get along? Let's move on, kind of thing. Like night and day between those two organizations. Yeah. But you know, and I feel like the NFL and the UFC are very similar to the point where it's like they want you to think that they care about their employee. They want you to think that they care, but the reality is like they could give a shit like you look at the, the the running back position is is the most like dispensable dispensable and that's kind of how the ufc is you might be ezekiel elliott one day you might be like adrian peterson but adrian peterson is like a shell of his former self and nobody cares mm-hmm. even though he was like the hottest dude in fantasy everybody had his jersey nobody cares anymore like he's like fourth string on the washington football team now it's like <laughs> yeah yeah, no, you're right. And I think um, uh, the NFL with the whole Colin Kaepernick thing, like four years later, it took like three more, well, probably thousands of more, you know, you know, black deaths or whatever. But I, I don't know if you saw this today, but like uh, the commissioner, uh, Roger Goodell was like, we were wrong about um, Colin Kaepernick. The way we treated that, and I, I'm like, I haven't seen it. I but did I'm see like, a little clip of it where isn't he wearing like a super tight shirt in that? <laughs> that's all I saw about it. I was like, I'll watch this later. <laughs> I ain't got time for this shit. <laughs> There's too many people here. They might think of something homoerotic is going down. <laughs> no, but it to me it was like such a bullshit thing because it's just like, well, where's that? You know, like, well, what are you gonna do about it? Because you fucked them last about this time last year. You know, remember when they had like that tryout and they were gonna make him sign like this waiver that like if we give you this tryout. You can never sue us ever again. And it's just like Colin was like, nah, fuck that. Like, I'm a, we'll, we'll move this to a neutral ground where I don't have to sign your waiver. Or if I get hurt, like, that's on me. But no, like, I want the option of like, hey, if you guys fuck up, like, I'm not granting you immunity just for a tryout, which you're not going to, you know, give me a fair shake at. Like my, uh, so even though I kind of talk shit about the Bears and the fact that they were totally to the script of what the NFL wanted them to say with this whole like PC, like let's hug a police officer. Let's show an image of a black guy hugging a police officer really quick. Akeem Hicks, <laughs> they asked him, did you think it, um, that uh, Colin Kaepernick was blackballed? And his answer to that was, 
we signed Mike Glennon to be our starting quarterback. And it was like, I don't know if you knew that, but when, when Colin Kaepernick was out there in the market, the Chicago Bears signed uh, Mike Glennon, who sucks ass. It's like one of the Miami Dolphin. I don't know where he's at. He was on the Raiders last year. I think he might be homeless right now, <laughs> but he sucks. And it's like, that's a great point. Like the fact that you can't convince me otherwise that this guy was not blackballed and like pushed out of the NFL. He, he was in the Super Bowl just a few years ago. It's not like he had some like crazy injury. Alex Smith had like this like life threatening injury to his leg. And there were just not just a few weeks ago, there were like Chicago Bears fans saying, like, maybe we should bring in Alex Smith, see how that turns out. And it's like, dude, the guy might not be able to walk. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Didn't he get like gangrene or something like crazy like that? It was, it was like terrible, like, man. Was his leg t- almost fell I, off. I never saw it. I never I refused to see those like violent things because my mind like regurgitates that shit sometimes yeah. and I, I don't want to fuck with it. So anybody listening to this, look up Alex Smith's leg. Look up the injury if you want. But no, even even the aftermath of the injury, like I like something happened where it's like his leg was rotting off of his body. Oh God! And see, like, but they're know. gonna bring him in over. Uh, and and again, I'll say <laughs> Let's this: Let's give him a shot. <laughs> Let's get one leg McGee. He could do it. But didn't Terrell Pryor used to be a quarterback? Let's bring him in, <laughs> dude. Wide. Tim Tebow had more shots at being a quarterback. And the fact that they kept giving him shots, and it's like, dude, I can throw better than he can. Maybe I can't run as fast as he can. Maybe I can't like take a punch the way he can. But his arm was shit. But and, John three sixteen art. Oh, people love that shit. Yeah, but that's one thing too. I mean, it it it's, it goes into the whole UFC talk. It's about an image, you know. I remember when Team Tebow came out, like that was getting shoved down our throats. And yeah, he had like one like really good playoff game. Well, let's clarify that one playoff game. He had one good pass that entire playoff game, and like at this point, can I quote you? He's you like you're like if he makes this fucking throw, like it was like a touchdown throw. You're like he's fucking Jesus Christ or whatever. I I thought it was like the funniest moment of all time because we both we both doubted like he was gonna make that play happen. It was like fourth and like seventeen or something like that. I don't know, but and he was like either he was like lined up in the shotgun position. I'm like, what are you guys fucking doing? Like Tim Deal is gonna fucking bias this, but he actually did have he did make the fourth and seventeen. He, I forgot who he got, like Emmanuel Sanders or something. I don't know who who Demarius Thomas. Yeah. Um like the defense wasn't even respecting the pass at that point. Like they were all coming in for a blitz and like Demarius Thomas just gets past the defense and he throws it. And at that point, it's all daylight because nobody was respecting his arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that pass. He didn't, I would not say he had a good game. He just managed to read the defense enough to, to know there was a blitz coming. But yeah, it, it goes into what you know we we're talking about. It's a it's an image that they're selling and not the you know actual talent. And I mean, well, of course. Am I going to say that Colin Kaepernick right now in 2020 would would he be a starting quarterback? Probably not. But I mean, he would be a very serviceable backup quarterback, you know, right now. Dude, I yeah. Mean, I mean, I mean, look at, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys signed fucking Andy Dalton. I mean, who's not a bad quarterback? He's but, not a bad quarterback. But, but the, it's the just thing like is, you got to tell me like that fucking who's fucking <laughs> New York Giants like couldn't benefit from having him like back up their fucking like second year quarterback right now or fucking you know my I just I just dissed my the Miami Dolphins you know earlier like to me like. That's like a fucking echo chamber of like bad quarterbacks is, you know, ever since Dan Marino fucking left, like just fucking put, you you mean to tell me fucking Miami, you don't have any, you know, room right there, you know, because 
he'd probably be better than your third string or your second string right now. Could yeah. compete for the fucking starting job. Well, I don't know about that. They just drafted a quarterback yeah. fifth overall and tongue on my Loa. So, oh, uh, you know what? Yeah, that, I take that's that back. Probably a franchise altering pick, but um, so was Matt Liner though at one point. Yeah, I mean, but you never know. It's yeah, a crapshoot. Yeah. You don't know who you're getting. You can get Russell Wilson in the third round. Well, that's true. Um, but you're telling me he can't back up Russell Wilson? <laughs> like, what if Russell Wilson gets hurt for a week? I'd rather have Colin Kaepernick in there backing him up. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't want fucking. Matt Flynn, like who's starting for the? Pa- I don't even know who's starting for the Patriots. Are you telling me the Patriots? Uh, they're probably gonna get Cam Newton, but still, are you <laughs> telling me like the Patriots aren't gonna at least dabble in this, like bring him in for a competition? Just do it. Just see if he has anything in the tank. The reason why no one's doing it is because everyone's scared shitless that their fans might protest or something. And at the end of the day, the ultimate thing is like you don't want to lose money dude you know what i want to like say so bad like i mean you know this country is divided right now and you know the right likes to blame it on like you know snowflake liberals and then like we like to blame you know karens if you will and then millennials are somehow like responsible for like you know this current mindset right now but i really feel like that whole like mindset that we have here and i think it's an american thing where it's just like the customer is always right like to me, like that's such a bullshit thing that we've raised for at least two or three generations, like a spoiled brat fucking society where it's just like, well, if I don't like it, I'm going to complain a bunch. And then till I get, till I get what I want, even though it hurts, you know, other people's rights, or if it hurts, you know, you know, you know, other people's experience, you know, just like, you know, like you said with the NFL, like people don't want to bring Colin Kaepernick in, which, which is true. You know, teams don't want to bring him in because, you know, it might disturb, you know, fans that, oh, you know, it'd be too much of a distraction for him. Oh, he's going to be kneeling like, ah, like, fuck it. Like, if he's going to make your team better, like, take that risk or whatever. Instead of catering to, again, you know, the whole theme of this thing, catering to what makes, you know, the most money or whatnot. Like, to me, like, that's bullshit, you know. Dude, it's the team over everything. You know, if you really cared about team teamwork or whatever, you can do what's best for the team. As opposed to like, no, we got to make sure we got the customer's always right. Which, by the way, I looked this up. That's like a very racist thing that was created. Because we always talk about, I mean, there's Southern hospitality or whatever. The, the customer's always right kind of came from the whole mindset that master's always right. Uh, we were watching The Help the other day. And this is like when I started Googling this. Where it's just like I don't know. How was that movie, by the way? It's actually pretty good. Like I thought it was gonna be boring as shit, but it was actually really, really good. My girlfriend put it on. Yeah, it won like a bunch of like Emmys or no Oscars. Oscars. I don't yeah. know. I'm not no, award shows. I think it's got Viola Davis. Um, every every fucking Hollywood actors in it and whatnot. But um, it, I looked. I had that mindset. I'm like, man, the customer's always right. Kind of like because I was having that this moment in my head. I was like, man, like this society is like full of spoiled brats. And then I went down that rabbit hole. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's because everywhere you go, like the customer's always right. The customer's always right. And sometimes the customer's wrong. And they don't, we sometimes don't have the balls to say it. And it affects the next customer that comes in. And then I looked it up and it was like that whole thing where like master's always right. And then you watch like a movie like The Help where it's just like, oh, you better not speak out, you know, against master or whatever. Because even though what he's saying is wrong, it's going to hurt himself. Like, yes, I'm you know, like Steven and fucking uh, Django or whatever, like going against his own best interest. Like, that's where that came from, you know? And, like, that's fucked up. Like, when we talk about, like, systemic racism and whatnot, like, a lot of that comes from that fucking era. You know, I I, I don't know that much about that. But 
like I get what you're saying, and I think it I think it's a little more than just like people being spoiled. I think people being spoiled comes from entitled, I should say, yeah. Or entitled comes from our system of being a capitalistic society. And we we try to say like, you know, boat with your dollar kind of thing, you know. Um but I was talking to someone recently and I was I'm I'm very outspoken about how I don't like Amazon. Like I to me, if you don't ever need to buy anything from Amazon, good. That's the best thing you can do. And I was talking to someone who was like out there protesting. They're actually alluding. And I was like, we were talking about this. And then they were like, well, not everyone has, you know, not everyone has the opportunity not to buy from Amazon. And it's like, yeah, everyone has the opportunity not to buy from Amazon. Just delete the fucking app from your phone. You don't need to have that. Like, and if you, and I know everyone right now is like, Oh, here's a list of black businesses that you can go. You had that opportunity. Like you you had this thing where you didn't have to go to fucking Walmart for everything. You look at like Bakersfield's downtown. Bakersfield's downtown is a shell of its form itself. The East Hills Mall is gone. All these things are gone. There's essentially like nothing but Walmarts and fucking McDonald's here. And it's because we support, you know, we boat with our dollar. And <laughs> and it's like now everyone's trying to get all like socially conscious. It's like, dude. This has been a problem since forever. It's a problem of capitalism. It's a, it's a, you know, like yeah, the customer is always right or whatever. Like that's that's something that you'll hear all the time. But that statement is nothing but like capitalism at, at its at its greatest because capitalism will try to drain you for every dollar that you have, and you know we try to keep the customer happy, but that fucking like draining that customer is the ultimate goal. It. It, it's it's fucking disgusting to me like you know i don't know uh, that's a whole different discussion to begin with my my, my dislike of capitalism and and the fact that you're I, socialist uh you look around I, where is socialism ever worked anywhere else i can hear like every like i can hear oh, the graveyard shift people fucking talking shit about us man. i'm sure there's people that call me a communist or a socialist but it's like that's the reality you can't tell me there's so many downtowns in so many small towns america and large towns america unless you're in fucking new york or chicago and even la la has like 20 different downtowns technically but their downtown is like skid row and it's like nothing but homeless people no one actually hangs out in downtown la the reality is like because it's a shithole like at a, a certain time it's a shithole you go to like one of the beaches you're in like you're nobody hangs out you're going to the beach if you're going to la the reality of that is <laughs> and um our our town has been destroyed by capitalism like our town is like basically two towns there's east bakersfield west bakersfield and the thing in the middle is just like fucking the freeway yeah the freeway and empty buildings and it's sad and like now people want to get on this whole like we'll support black businesses motherfucker you should have been doing this like you should have avoided your amazons who treat their customers their employees like shit who don't pay taxes you know, like you should have been avoiding Walmart, the Walton family. We can do an episode on the Walton family to begin with. They're like the most like depraved family in in the world. It's like, yeah, that's a whole different conversation, but it just it, it sickens me. Yeah, I know. So. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So this episode took some. Shout out to Mark, Mark Hunt. Hunt. <laughs> we should probably wrap it up now. Yeah, yeah. We got another episode of Record Sunday. So uh, you're welcome, everybody, for these two episodes this week. Uh, make sure you go to the Patreon and uh, support us there. Shout out, you know, the, 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 the 
60 patrons we have there. Like, oh, nice. God bless you. You're doing the Lord's work. Um, and like I said, I'm gonna, everything that you guys put on the Patreon, Patreon um, goes back into the podcast. So don't have to worry about me becoming like Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Fucking, you know, taking advantage of you, exploiting you, if you will, like a, like a Mark Hunt. Accuse Dana White on, um, but yeah, just make sure you go to the Patreon, help us uh, improve the quality of this podcast. Starting to start, we're we're getting there. We're getting there. We look back three years ago. Three years ago, it didn't used to look like this. So um, you know, go there. Go to all the social media at Arctic Do America. Uh, follow us there. Uh, make sure you check out our sponsor, Caveman Coffee. Vote with your dollar and go to Caveman Coffee. Hell yeah! And I believe one of their uh, co-owners is Keith Jardine. He is a former fighter so it plays into what i was talking about it's good to see that you know ufc fighters have that that opportunity to branch out to other stuff so shout out to keith sardine for the caveman coffee right here um and we do have another sponsor that i will be discussing hopefully by the next episode so Hell yeah. with that said art do you have anything else brother again thank you to mark hunt Thank you to Caveman Coffee. Go to cavemancoffee.com. Type in America at checkout to get 15% off. Tell your mama and your boo-boo too. Shout out to Elizabeth Jackman. Shout out to Elizabeth Warren. And... With that said, everybody. Shout out Beth. <laughs> Check out our OnlyFans right now for the whole month of June. It is free. Good night. Good night. <laughs>